Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. And the European Commissioner for Financial Services, Financial Stability and Capital Markets Union, Mairead McGuinness, is here. Good morning to you. Uh, morning, thank you for Claire. joining us, uh, Commissioner. We want to talk about the Windsor framework, first of all. And the political editor of the Belfast Telegraph, Suzanne Breen, was reporting last night that there's growing pressure now on those in the DUP who are in favour of the protocol deal, interestingly, because the worry, as she says, is that the period of DUP procrastination could allow momentum against the framework to build both internal internally and externally. That's a possibility with all this time being given to the DUP that the restrained positivity that we saw on day one might become something completely different. Well, I think that's taking a very pessimistic view. I would say that this has been an extraordinary week, uh, an extraordinary agreement between very trusted partners today compared with in the past. Uh, And I think we have to respect that parties will need time to look at the detail of it and see the implications for them. So, I mean, in terms of reaction, I think you have to listen and not respond to the reaction. I mean, commentators can, of course, speculate what might happen, what the worst Mm -hmm. possible outcome is. But actually, if you look at the depth uh, and detail of this agreement, we have managed, because I suppose there were changes in terms of outlook, maybe on both sides, we have managed to uh, correct the problems with the protocols that it uh, gave rise to in Northern Ireland, uh, to deal with issues that were of concern. Um, And if you saw the body language, the communication between the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and the President of the European Commission, it's very clear that these leaders know we're in in a time of huge geopolitical uncertainty and that while the problems around the protocol were real and difficult, we could solve them once we built up trust. And I think that's the key for me. Mm, And I wonder whether what we saw there in terms of that positive relationship between Ursula von der Leyen and Rishi Sunak, is that all that really matters? In other words, if the DUP eventually say we are not in favour of this deal, that it goes ahead anyway. Well, I think it's maybe a little unfair to look at what one party's, um, you know, reaction. And I think we have to allow the DUP uh, to take the time that they need. And the Prime Minister said likewise. And from our side, from the European Commission's point of view, uh, there is a very strong relationship clearly between the two leaders. That's very important, obviously, for Northern Ireland, but equally for the big tensions around Russia's illegal invasion. And beyond that, you know, a lot of time has passed since 2016. And indeed, a lot of time has been spent trying to negotiate solutions. Uh, And I think that both sides, Europe and the United Kingdom, realise that what looked insurmountable or where there were tensions, in fact, if you took away the emotion and the tension, Mm -hmm. there were practical issues. But do you see my my point and my question is that this deal has been done. It's been agreed by both of the main players. The DUP has been asked to look at it and, and give an opinion. But really, that will just be an opinion because this deal is going to go ahead regardless. Well, I think everybody's going to look at it and have an opinion. Uh, And I think that um, parties will look at it uh, according to their agenda. In other words, does it answer the questions that they had concerns about uh, prior to the agreement to the the Windsor framework? Um, And I wouldn't frame it in the way you have, frankly. Mm. And I suppose um, from our side, uh, we acted in really good faith. I mean, this was really important that early on in 2023, we could solve the outstanding problems with the protocol. And if you heard what was said at the press conference with the interests of people in Northern Ireland at the very heart of our work and also uh, without a running commentary. And that's why, to some extent, I'm not going to now engage okay. in fair, a commentary fair, fair about, enough, but about do, options. Do you have a view on the time? 
timeline that the DUP should be given because it has been suggested that they might wait until after the council elections in May. That's a very long way out for something like this. Well, remember, there's lots of timelines because some of what is is uh, on the table in this framework will require us to change our legislation. And that won't happen overnight because we consult the European Parliament and the council. So I'm not as perturbed around timelines. Rather, I'm, 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 I suppose I really welcome the work done by my colleague Maros Shevkovich, who negotiated under the leadership of Ursula von der Leyen. I, I think it was really important that that work happened without a, a public a debate on each step of that mm. process. So there's no pressure on the DUP to come up with a response? Well, well, certainly we're not putting pressure as the European Commission on any party to come up with a response um, because I think if everybody views this through the lens of how we were before, which was not a good place, and how we are today, which mm. is a good place. I think we can see that we listened, for example, to um, people with a garden in Northern Ireland who wanted to buy bulbs, those who wanted to have the same foodstuffs on their shelves at the ha- as they had before Brexit. We've solved those uh, issues that were really of concern to, to individuals. And then for business, we've given them certainty. And I think those two, and there are only two elements of this agreement, are really important. But there are other concerns that are still exist there for people when it comes to the role of, of the ECJ, for example, and that's very problematic, even if it is only of last resort, it is very problematic for uh, some people. Well, again, if you listen to the Prime Minister's response to that particular question, the understanding is that the last uh, port, if you like, of a settlement on, on EU law is the European Court of Justice. I don't think that's uh, anyone disagrees with that statement. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll know that some unionists have a big problem with that. They have well, a big problem with that. Uh, well, well, let's see how that works out. Mm-hmm. And I think if you listen again, the two leaders are very much agreed on this. Okay. And just on, on where this goes and what it means, because Rishi Sunak said that the big test, the true test of the protocol deal will be if and when Stormont is back up and running again. But can the Windsor framework run and be operational as a deal without Stormont being back up and running again. One doesn't really depend on the other, does it? Well, I suppose as somebody who was elected, I think we would like to see the Assembly up again and running. And I think the people of Northern Ireland would also. But that is uh, an issue for the parties in Northern Ireland. Uh, The framework is about solving problems around the protocol. Um, And we would like to see, of course, a resolution of the the political issues in Northern Ireland. I would imagine that what's on the table might help uh, Mm -hmm. to get to that stage. But again... I'm not part of the political debate in in Northern Ireland, uh, but I would always think that people who vote in elections for politicians just like them to work together. uh, And I don't see any difference when it comes to... But the framework will work and will go ahead regardless of whether Stormont is up and running or well, not. Well, look, the framework is really important to get certainty and clarity. It's separate, it though, from, from power there's, sharing. There's happening. parts of the framework that does require the Assembly to sit. So I think that mm-hmm. there are issues there. Um, but again, uh, given that we acted, in, in my view, very wisely in the run-up to the negotiations on the framework by not engaging in public comment, um, I am not going to engage in public comment about one or the other or what happens if. What I do think is very important is that we address the reality uh, that the European Union accepted there were problems with the implementation of the protocol and we resolved those problems with uh, the leadership of the President of the Commission and the British mm-hmm. Prime Minister. I had only one opportunity to meet uh, the now Prime Minister um, Rishi Sunak when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer and that was in, in 2021. Uh, and my observations then, we were discussing the financial uh, issues, uh, were that he was a man driven by solutions rather than problems. And I think that's how we, he actually engaged. And, and maybe us. economic reality as well. And, and on that front, I just want to play a, a quick clip of him when he was in Belfast the day 
after the, the deal was done and he was speaking about the unique trading arrangements for Northern Ireland. We'll just have a listen to this. Northern Ireland is in the unbelievably special position, unique position in the entire world, European continent, in having privileged access, not just to the UK home market, which is enormous, fifth biggest in the world, but also the European Union single market. Nobody else has that. No one. Only you guys. Only here. That's like the world's most exciting economic zone. He's extolling the virtues there of something that the UK had all along until 2016. He's extolling the virtues that Northern Ireland, because of the unique situation and relationships between these islands, needed a solution to the problems of Brexit Mm. by allowing Northern Ireland to stay in the single market. I know you're being careful now, but you have to see the irony in what he's saying there. Well, I mean, I would quote him back. I mean, I think it is true that Northern Ireland are very unique in a very unique situation. Mm. They have access. But it's exactly what the whole of the UK has. The European single market. Yeah, it is true. but, but, But there is a crucial difference, Claire. Um, And it is that Northern Ireland is no longer part of the European Union. Mm -hmm. It is part of the single market and it is the market access which is really important. But you you take my point. The UK made this decision to take themselves out of this position, which he is now saying is the best in the world, but we decided to to leave. Well, that's a decision that the United Kingdom took. And it's interesting that if you look at the vote in, in Northern Ireland, it was to stay. Clearly, overall, the United Kingdom has left and Northern Ireland has left. But I think that, you know, there was mature politics around the reality that the the, the Brexit effect, a hard Brexit, was something we could not countenance on the Mm. island of Ireland for many, many good reasons. And indeed, it was interesting because I've said it often myself with my agriculture background that the dairy industry on the island of Ireland is all island. And the Prime Minister referenced the realities for dairy farmers and processing on this island. What struck me, and I think we should mark it and acknowledge it, is that his, his, his attention to detail of what this agreement means was quite something. He was very engaged in the actual process. And one of the biggest changes would be um, to VAT. So the UK can apply reduced VAT rates on a number of different goods, can't they, under this deal, even if the applicable UK VAT rate is below uh, EU common standards. Isn't isn't that a feature of, of this deal? Now, for businesses in border counties in the Republic, that might be a hard one to stomach. That's going to make it more difficult for them to compete, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you have to pose all of these what if questions. But I think when it comes to VAT, of which I'm not a specialist, there is a special uh, committee that will look at those details. So I think all of this was, will unfold. Uh, I mean, I, I would rather view this very pragmatically, that we almost forget how difficult life was before before we reached uh, the Windsor framework. We were constantly wondering about what would happen. There was constant tensions. There was ongoing battles on the airwaves. Served no purpose just prolonged the reality of trying to come to an agreement. Right now, we uh, in the Commission and Europe want to give time and space to all the parties to look at the detail, to ask questions, to get clarification, etc., etc. And I watched the House of Commons uh, on Monday evening um, and I was very struck by the fact of the length of that debate. The majority were extremely positive. There were some queries and questions and the Prime Minister um, answered all of the issues that were raised uh, with him. And I think we will probably see that process continue in smaller formats. Yeah. I mean, no more than his visit to Northern uh, Ireland. What is the EU Commission's position if this deal is not acceptable to the DUP? What I do think, you do? I think we believe that we've come to a place in our relationship with the United Kingdom, which is so much better than it was the day after Brexit. So I don't think we believe that all will fail. 
because I think it would not be... Uh, you couldn't go into an agreement thinking, well, what if this one doesn't work? This is very different than previous attempts. The atmosphere is very different. Um, there were no leaks, which I know from a journalist's point of view was quite frustrating. Yeah. But what that spoke to was a huge respect for each mm-hmm. other's position. But they if you're Sammy Wilson talks. or if you're Ian Paisley Jr., you're saying, look what happened when we held firm. Now we still want more, so we'll continue to hold out and we'll get more. Well, I think you've, you've to broaden it beyond two individuals. Businesses in they Northern have a lot Ireland. have support, you know, business, that in their party. But businesses in Northern Ireland were also saying this isn't working. Um, and Maros Shevkovic met and was with businesses hearing their concerns. Mm-hmm. And we believe that what's agreed now between the two parties solves those problems. Um, and it is really, as I said, and I have to stress that, we are in a very different place today in terms of our relationship. Maybe it took all this time from 2016 for us both to accept what has happened and to find a new way forward. I mean, in the area that I work in, in financial services, we really haven't had deep discussions because there, this issue has not been resolved. If you look at the Horizon, the uh, research and innovation programme, um, it looks very likely that now the UK can be part of that. There's a process involved in all of this. So, I mean, I think from this week onwards, it isn't a question of finding the problems in solutions. It's a question of saying this is the solution and we can solve other problems okay. arising so from So there it. is no more to give. If you're speaking to the DUP this morning, what's your message? Well, I mean, frankly, and I would respect the DUP's position um, fully and I will not say anything to um, uh, allow an interpretation that we don't respect fully the DUP's concerns. And I've listened to them both publicly and in private. And I am going to, uh, as we in the Commission have said, allow the political parties in Northern Ireland, including the DUP, uh, to run with their process of investigating, interrogating this agreement, hoping that they will see what we see, which is solutions to problems, fully respecting Northern Ireland's position in Mm -hmm. the United Kingdom, but reminding also that we want Northern Ireland to benefit from their unique position as being part of the single market. We know that an ambition of the UK is is to go down the route of deregulation. Now, that means that Ireland's position when it comes to those red lane goods that you know, will be coming into Northern Ireland. We'll be guardians of the single market in a way that we never were before. Big pressure, isn't it? No, because I think those goods could also go directly into um, other parts of Europe. So I don't see, I mean, Ireland is not just Ireland. Ireland is Europe. And I think if we segregate mm-hmm. ourselves as being something apart from but Europe, we sorry, do ourselves there's a red lane, just, green lane system, though, that will yeah. not exist in any other country. Yeah, but but there's a red lane system. In other words, that goods fr- coming from the United Kingdom But it's easier France, to get to get goods in and to smuggle through on, on, on this green lane system, and not this if, traffic light system. Not if our systems of control work. And That's I, my point. The, and we're going to have to beef those up, aren't no, we, because of not, this? Not we. Northern Ireland, where the red lane uh, process will exist, we now have access to real-time data, which we hadn't, and that happened in January. So I, I don't agree at all with So the pressure's on, on Northern Ireland I mean, as opposed to the Republic of the, Ireland the, to control this. The pressure is on the United Kingdom and the European Union to make sure that what we have agreed works. And that's important for Northern Ireland because we don't want to stop goods that are going to be consumed in Northern Ireland at all. There should really be very minimum, no checks on those goods because they're consumed in Northern Ireland. But everyone knows that if goods are coming through Northern Ireland, 
Ireland into the European Union, rather than just saying into Ireland, into the European Union, then they go through checks. And that's why we have a red lane. Mm-hmm. It isn't I, Ireland specific, but that it sy- is Europe. But that system has to work. Otherwise, work. we're going to look at, we're going to see smuggling. We're going to see very difficult problems. And we're going to have to enforce that as the member of the European Union that's on that land border. Actually, no, because we don't have a border. I mean, the whole idea behind this is that there is no border between uh, Northern Ireland and Ireland because they're part of the single market and that the red lane system uh, takes account of goods that are flowing into Europe. If that is Ireland, maybe it goes further, but the stop, the check, the place is in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a bureaucratic border, isn't it, between Ireland and Northern Ireland? No, it's not a bureaucratic border. It's a practical border. There are checks. There are checks happening. But but before checks, and this is really important, because I recall a time when we were not getting access to data. That has changed utterly. And with customs and with computers and with technology, you can track and trace, you can analyse, you can have a red lane system that effectively controls goods that goes through Northern Ireland into Europe, into Ireland, as you say. Uh, And I don't envisage uh, this system causing the problems you do. Of course, you have to be alert to potential um, of of this happening. Uh, But you also have to be mindful that we teased out in the discussions and the negotiations all of these possibilities and have found solutions. And do we know how this will operate? Well, again, data is key. Uh, And uh, the the big thing for me is to say for Northern Ireland, goods coming in, green lane, but goods coming into Europe have to be checked because they're coming from a third country. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And how and when will that work? I mean, it sounds like quite a lot of bureaucracy to set up two separate lanes for goods and all of the checks that that would entail. And no, I think if you use technology and if you use data, it isn't complicated at all. I mean, customs officials um, already deal with goods coming into Europe from third countries. So it isn't as if this is entirely unique because goods flow from other third countries mm-hmm. and indeed will flow from the United Kingdom into France, for example. And we'll have to have the, the, the checks or whatever is required there. So I don't think this is any different. OK. Commissioner, we'll leave it there. But thank you very much for coming in. That's EU Commissioner Mairead McGuinness. Back after this. Email todaycb at rte.ie.